Hail and well met. Welcome to another episode of Self Evident where we are discussing gun control. So I'm Kenna Rose. I'm Jenna. I'm Eliana. And I'm Alyssa. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important that we start with defining a couple things. So first, what is gun control? And second, what is the actual Second Amendment? What does it say? Anybody want to give us the definitions? Yes. Yeah, so the Second Amendment says or is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Alrighty. And that's word for word, correct? Correct. Yes. And so gun control is, I believe, a term, and I may be wrong about this, but I think it's a term that's come up, come up by the government um, to control the dictionary, number one, because who doesn't want control of guns? And number two, it is kind of misleading because... You can't really control guns, can you? They're inanimate objects. What do you need to control? The people. And according to Britannica, gun control refers to any legal measure intended to prevent or restrict the possession or use of guns, particularly firearms. And historically, this actually included um, gunpowder as well. So anything that would be explosive. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense they'd include the gunpowder. Yeah, it does make sense. So, Kenna, why did we want to talk about gun control? There's been an awful lot of tragic shootings lately. And there yeah. have been mm, yes. a lot of... Like, gun control has become a very hot topic lately. Yeah. And so... I kind of feel like it's been a hot topic for the past at least five years. That's true. I agree. I, it, I think it has. It makes sense that it would be. I mean, it's just natural human emotions to see all of this happening and to be sad about it and you know I think often at least for the general population our views and everybody's points on it rarely come from a disagreement in what the outcome should be it's more of what the solution should be that's, that's a good a, point to that's make. a very good point and I think sometimes if you view it and there's been a lot of propaganda and like the media has done a very good job blaming the guns for the culprit because if you don't believe like a Christian worldview and that sin, every heart is sinful, then you're not going to believe the human is the root of the problem. Yeah, it does make sense. In summary, the Second Amendment is really just uh, protecting an individual's right to protect themselves and That's to right. bear certain weapons. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, the founders, um, what was on the forefront of their mind when they included the Second Amendment as an inalienable right that is given to us by God, is it's a protection of citizens against a tyrannical government. Exactly. Right. Um, because they didn't want what happened in Britain to happen in America. Exactly, exactly. And actually, there's a huge debate over the meaning of the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. So it there's a debate going over where it's everybody has the right to bear arms or just people in the militia with mm-hmm. the meaning of militia varying. So some historical background on the Second Amendment. The founders had a lot of history to draw on, kind of like Alyssa was talking about. And they could see some of the results of what happened when a standing army was left in, left standing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And the definition of it. (laughs) Right. And they could also see what was, some of the effects of gun control, because England seems to have been actively working towards a ban on arms in some cases. And they actually did restrict arms 
in certain areas or some periods of time back, you know, back then. During the revolutionary period. During the revolutionary period. Or beforehand. And beforehand. Okay. Beforehand. Um, and so one of the things the founders were worried about was having a standing army because they believed that a standing army would eventually be used by the government to enforce oppressive rules or laws. And you could kind of see they did send an army to America to enforce the um, different acts that the colonists were irritated about. Yes. And one thing that's very interesting to note, to quote an author I really appreciate, Jenny L. Cody, she said, it's interesting to note that it was the removal by the royal governor of Massachusetts of the gunpowder and arms that ignited the revolution at Lexington and Concord. All royal governors had been given the same instructions, and three days later, Lord Dunmore stole Virginia's powder in the night. So Patrick Henry marched to get it back. So it finally literally ignited the war after years of buildup was the threat of removal of the ability of the people to protect themselves. I love how it just did the opposite of what the king wanted. He's like, oh, they're going to rebel, so we just got to take away their power. Right, and that didn't work. Therefore, start the war. So with kind of that background, it's very evident the founders wanted the Second Amendment because they wanted protection against government and tyranny in the government. The purpose was to have a measure of protection against the government. They viewed everyone holding guns as self-defense. And if you talk about some quotes from the founders on gun control, George Mason, at like the, the debate on who the militia was, he said, I ask you, sir, who are the militia? They consist now of the whole people. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And Jefferson was quoting somebody else, but I don't remember who he was quoting. But he said, laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Look at that. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to present homicides, for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. And there are a lot more quotes from founders on guns and gun control, but it kind of gives you the idea that they wanted guns as a defense against tyranny in the government. So, Kenna, what you were saying about the standing army of Britain basically replacing the um, self-defense of the people in America. Um, Yeah. And I think also in England. This was happening somewhat overseas as well. So, basically, standing army would be kind of like their version of a police force of today, correct? I'm not totally sure. I think it was literally like an army. Like Wow. That is but very I'm not interesting. 100% sure on what the standing army was. I kind of think of it like Colonel Wickham in like kind of like oh, that type. I'm okay. not 100% sure, but a that's standing what army I so just they camp yeah. out places. I think so. Cause um, trouble in the village. Yeah. Okay, so not at all the version of a police force that I was thinking I of. I don't because, think so. Yeah, because what I was thinking if that was their version of enforcing the law, um the mantra that we have today is uh, when seconds count, police are minutes away. That's kind of the thing. When seconds count, the militia is miles away. Yeah. It would take a whole afternoon for them to get to you. Yeah. But I think it was literally like an army, like a standing army. Okay, so that doesn't, that doesn't kind of, yeah. it doesn't correspond with that. So Alyssa and Eliana, you guys have statistics that show the root problems of shootings and gun violence, as well as some solutions. 
So what do you guys have? What do you want to say about it? Yes, I did a lot of research on statistics of the correlation between violence and even the nuclear family because God has created the family. And it is evident when we look at culture when what God has created is eroding that there are some massive um, effects of that. Um, The U.S. Department of Justice states the following, quote, The Journal of Research in Crime and Delinquency reports that the most reliable indicator of violent crime in a community is the proportion of fatherless families. Fathers typically offer economic stability, a role role model for boys, greater household security, and reduced stress for mothers. This is especially true for families with adolescent boys, the most crime-prone cohort, end quote. So you're saying a lot of it has to do with missing fathers? Absolutely. The study goes on to say that according to a 1993 Metropolitan Life Survey, quote, violence in America's public schools, 71% of teachers and 90% of law enforcement officials state that the lack of parental supervision at home is a major factor that contributes to the violence in schools, 61% of elementary students and 76% of secondary children agree with this assessment. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. <coughs> Absolutely. Some sources so, go as high as to say that 39% of students in the United States from first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father at home. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. And when you look at that, you think like 11% more and you're literally half half of this country is without fathers. So it's like you see proportionally as fatherlessness becomes more of a problem so does this violence and mm-hmm. and uh, so does gun violence just in general so you're saying it can somewhat tie into all of the craziness with the lgbtq like push i think all of it is wrapped together the degrade of the nuclear family absolutely what we see is when you have a breakdown of family in general you have a breakdown of pretty much anything else absolutely Yes, and the Minnesota Psychological Association actually supports that claim. Um, They say, and quote, family structure and the lack of parental involvement are predictive of juvenile delinquency. The more opportunities a child has to interact with his or her biological father, the less likely he or she is to commit a crime or have contact with the juvenile justice system. In a study of female inmates, more than half came from father absent homes. Youths who had never had a father living with them had the highest incarceration rates, while youths in a father-only household displayed no differences in the rate of incarceration from that of children coming from two-parent households, end quote. That's crazy. So then, in light of this, what would you think some solutions would be to all of the gun violence and just violence in general? Absolutely. It seems that the solution to gun violence and violence in general is biblical maintaining and nurturing the God-established nuclear family. God has created marriage and family to function in a specific way, one man, one woman for life in covenant relationship. This man and this woman are to raise children that will grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. And this command is actually specifically given to fathers. Much of this unrest and violence in our culture today can easily be traced to the depravity of mankind. Our culture has started to reject the common grace that God has given, and part of that manifests itself in the rejection of the nuclear family and the violence that follows that rejection. 
To refresh everyone's memory on what Romans 2 says about the common grace of God, Paul in verses 14 to 16 of that chapter says, For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their consciences also bear witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus." End wow. quote. And with that, I think we also need to remember that gun violence isn't always outward. A lot of times it's actually inward. For example, uh, according to, uh, I believe it's Pew Research, more than half half of all gun-related death in the U.S. were from suicide in 2020. More than half. And so we're not just talking about a... School shooting. Exactly. Or a mall shooting. Yes, gun violence goes way beyond that and violence in general. And we see a lot of it is is just that lack of godliness, that lack of support, the lack of help, I guess, the lack of knowing who God is. Mm. That and also I want to touch on the point that we are actually using the left's language when we're saying gun violence. Exactly. Because guns cannot commit violence. People People violence. commit violence. Oh, that's exactly. a good point. So when you're saying violence in general, that does incorporate one people injure or kill each other with guns, with knives. It doesn't exactly. matter. Guns do not cause violence. We're talking specifically about violence using guns. With guns because exactly. that is a huge, mm-hmm. huge factor in our culture at the moment. Yes. That's right. That's right. It's a good definite, like, what's clarification. It's a good clarification. And we also see this in the culture as similar to the grace of the common grace that God has given every man, um, though it's undeserved, that this stems from a incorrect view on life, the unsanctity of human life that we are seeing. It manifests itself in abortion, manifests itself in the LGBTQ push. It also manifests itself in the push for gun control because people, like what you said in Romans 2, when Gentiles uh, they're a law unto themselves. Mm-hmm. They know that killing people is bad. Absolutely. I don't know why, but they're going to solve it by taking away guns. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. if you could logistically get rid of every single gun in the world, then maybe banning guns, if you could like actually destroy all of them, would work. But we can't get rid of every single gun, and criminals are always going to find a way to get a gun. Exactly. That, and I think and they, it will not stop the deaths. The deaths mm-hmm. will still Absolutely. keep going. Guns, mm-hmm. the the murder weapon will just be replaced. And I think that part of it is that people are looking for a perfect solution, right? And so when you say, when you say like, if we could take every gun out of the world, well, yes, if we could, maybe there would be peace. But the thing is, is that there is never going to be a fix to all of these problems because Mm -hmm. we live in a sinful world. Mm -hmm. Yes, guns are inanimate objects. Yeah, it's just... will still remain Mm -hmm. here. And so instead, I, th- I think the argument comes more from a point of uh, what routes will, can we take that will further safety and that will minimize all of these things. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And back to, well, this kind of ties into your point, Eliana, but back to what Alyssa was saying about Romans 2 when um, the Gentiles are a law unto themselves. They want to fix this problem, right? And um one of my favorite pastors, Doug Wilson, he said that whenever something really bad happens, and I'm quoting here, when there's some calamity of some sort, 
people will instinctively, naturally, readily cry out to their gods, and they will do this even though their gods have failed, and they raise a cry against those who they believe are resisting the gods. So basically, our culture calls out for gun control, they're calling out to the legislature. They're calling mm -hmm. out to our government, mm -hmm. save us, even though the government has failed them in every single possible way when it comes to things like this. Their government is literally put up to protect their own people. Mm -hmm. And the government's failed. But they see people who stand against things like gun control as you are resisting our gods. You are resisting the, per the thing that we know will save us or will think will save us. Mm -hmm. Does that sort of make sense? That yeah, does no, make that sense. that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying that oftentimes when people just cry for more gun control they're doing it because it's like a natural response mm -hmm. that and absolutely and i think that obviously pushes us believers toward the solution at, at the end of the day all the solutions to the problems it's not that we're based it's religion based right mm -hmm. all the pro all the solutions that we see to these problems comes back down to the bible yeah we it's need to pray for repentance we need to pray for God's grace and his mercy to just overflood this land because there's no there's no solution without Christ. Yeah, if Christ right. is not the solution, there is no solution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can say, there's no legislation that you can give that is going to fix the problem, which is man's heart is desperately wicked and sinful and no one can understand it. Exactly. The root cause of this violence is not guns. The root cause of this violence is I would say the pain that these people are experiencing and you think of like the actual turmoil and everything that somebody would have to go through to get to a point um, of violence with guns whether it be inward or outward is like it's it's big and so there's something like exactly going on, driving it either mentally mm -hmm. emotionally mm -hmm. exactly and so I think more than guns above guns it's like we really need to be praying for the the people of our nation and we need to be i guess encouraging people and we need to show Christ's love to others yeah yeah if you notice things like they're also they're always also recluses right mm -hmm. they kind of when you hear testimony about them they're like oh they're always hung out in the background oh they always did this yeah they were just got off of depression medication Maybe it, you see one of those people at your schools. And I'm not saying that's your responsibility to take care of them, but maybe go out of your way. Say hi to them. Recognize their existence. Make people feel human. Mm -hmm. And especially with the way culture is making everything so confusing, it's hard to know what is right. There's not really anything, one, for people to hold on to then, because culture, there's no, like, they don't believe there's a god. Mm -hmm. and two they confuse everything with gender and what marriage is and mm -hmm. family and all that it just gets so confused mm -hmm. exactly yeah. and i think you know ultimately gun violence and i'm doing the air quotes here will never be taken care of will never be solved until we first figure out we look at the root of it and we we work with just violence because ultimately the guns are just an outlet of something that is already there yeah mm -hmm. i also wanted to say um how beyond comprehension it is that 
the more I grow, the more I learn, it's so fascinating to me that the answer always is God's word. Absolutely. The answer always it is the way God sends back the world. to God's word. Absolutely. You, you see you see wrong happening in the world and you you're always oh, what is the solution? And it always when you boil it down, it always is the way God set up the world. We it's have almost like off God course, created the world or something. Are going wrong. Absolutely. And that gets back to the common grace of God that is seen in Romans 2, how it's meant to lead us to the cross. Yes. You know, the common grace of God has ordained that culture and family operate in a certain way. When right. these guardrails are rebelled against and different means, mm-hmm. major problems begin to manifest themselves. All throughout Scripture, we see the necessity for a mother and a father in the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians and Colossians, men are charged with bringing up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4, and to not provoke their children, right. Colossians 3.21. The book of Proverbs is organized and written in a way of instruction from a father to a son. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, this is the ESV version, says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Similarly, Proverbs 13, 1 says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. What is the common denominator in these verses? It, it's fathers. Yeah. The Bible takes the moral standard high ground of fathers being present in their children's lives, not just mm-hmm. in the home, making the money, not giving emotional support or spiritual support, but present in their children's lives. When this model is abandoned, society, as we are seeing and experiencing now, begins to crumble. Yeah. And this was seen in the Highland Park shooting. Yep. He yeah. had a father in the home. But what you see when you dig into that that kid's life, the father was not, quote unquote, present. Mm. He was allowing his son to participate in different things. When he had threatened his family, right, when he was threatening his family that he was going to kill him, the father still co-signed on his FOID card registration. Mm. He was not being a father that was actually present in his child's life. So that's an important distinction. It's not enough to just say, well, I'm in the home, I'm the head of the household, my kids will be fine. They're clothed, they're fed. Right. No, you need to be present and discipling your children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess that ends the episode. I think it does. All All right. right. (laughs) Until next time, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. To quote Patrick Henry, are we at last brought to such a humiliating and debasing degradation that we cannot be trusted with arms for our defense? Think about it, folks. Until next time. This is self-evident. Yes, it is.